the concept of nonprofit, for profit, social enterprise. That's you know that's that's wonderful, but at the end of the day, um, to me, it doesn't really matter what your legal structure is or what type of entity it is that you're leading. It's can we align? Can we can we sort of level set? Can we be in agreement on what the challenge is? Can we work together on what we think some solutions might be? Um, and then how do we all play a, a value-added role? Hi, guys. Welcome back to Beyond High Street. David Schwab here. we got a pod here on the day before Thanksgiving, hoping everybody has a very nice Thanksgiving with friends and family and you get a moment to relax. The pod today, give you a little bit of inspiration of doing good, uh, is with Greg Van Kirk. Greg is uh, a longtime friend, co-founder of Community Enterprise Solutions and Social Entrepreneur Corps. Well, what's that mean? He's doing a ton in the world to help. He's been honored by the Clinton Global Initiative and many others with Social Entrepreneurship Awards uh, over the last 20 years. He uses his philosophies and teamwork and collaboration with his experience in governance and microfinance to better the world. And in the conversation you'll hear, we actually start about an upcoming trip to Guatemala and Haiti and Mexico and what he's doing to better the communities and and create infrastructure while he's there. And he got the spark of social entrepreneurship and innovation uh, while doing work in structured finance and banking, actually, in New York City. And he figured out that uh, the better people work together and understand each, each other, not just corporately, but globally, can help all of us in problem solving. He has a great line in here. He wants to solve wicked problems that are intellectually challenging. And that doesn't mean just in the nonprofit or corporate world, but we can do it together. He ties back to Miami with two key points, the community and family that he built and trusted and we can count on, and his time at Lux, which is really interesting, back in 1989 when the Berlin Wall came down and he learned about empathy and the hope for a better life. And there are people in different parts of the world that really struggle. Thank you, Greg, for the time. I'm going to see him back on campus soon because we're both part of a new entrepreneurship board. Uh, Can't wait to see him. Guys, happy Thanksgiving. Enjoy the pod. Well, I'll be heading down in mid-December and we'll be uh, have a meeting with our team who's down there and as well the the leadership of the the social enterprise that we started called Soluciones Comunitarias. And what we're really just going to focus on is you know, what our plans for next year, we, you know, we, we focus on a lot of different things, you know, from distributing technology to education, to um, helping people start community banks. And so we really just want to make sure that we're investing our energies and, and resources in, in the right places where we can have the highest impact. And, you know, most certainly um, really the key to understanding you know, where to prioritize needs to come from the, from the folks who are out in the field doing it every day. So it's really about a strategic conversation for, for next year and, and the years that follow. And how many trips, that sounds like will be your last trip of 2018, how many trips down to Guatemala, Guatemala excuse me, this year? Uh, to Guatemala this year, I believe this is my third trip, okay. but, um, but as well, um, I'll be heading down to uh, Haiti, in in December to to work with our team there that's working on um, agricultural initiative and then as well to Mexico um, to work with leadership of a garment factory um, for some consulting work that I'm doing around worker well-being for Levi Strauss Foundation. Hmm. 
So in, in, each, in each market, territory, country, there's a different initiative based on the social need or the community need? Yeah. I mean, with, with our work in particular, we, we have teams of folks in Guatemala, Ecuador, Nicaragua, the Dominican Republic, and Haiti. And so we have sort of baseline work that we do, um, working with local entrepreneurs and consulting for um, grassroots organizations, uh, and then certainly layering on top of that all the work that we do with students with Social Entrepreneur Corps. But then based upon you know, the needs and priorities in, in different places, and based upon the opportunities that we have to partner with other folks, we'll do other things. But with the obvious, obvious through line on all this is how do we help people to become empowered to create changes in their own communities. Mm. And how much of that work is with nonprofits and corporations or government in each of those markets? It's it's really a variety. I mean, I would say that um, primarily we work with with not local nonprofit organizations, um, and as well internationally with nonprofit organizations and foundations. Um, so in the field, we're working with nonprofits that can be focused on everything from um, nutrition to leadership to um, you know artisan work or education. Um, obviously internationally looking at foundations that we work with or folks that are really interested in, in leveraging, I guess, sort of the, the expertise and the experience and the, and the platforms of relationships that we have. And then with regards to corporations, <clears throat> we work with, uh, for example, Warby Parker, who we've been a partner with for, for a very long time. Um, they, they support us with their buy one, give one program, um, to give us uh, reading glasses to be able to provide to the entrepreneurs. Um, they also have their teams come down uh, once they've completed three years of service, which is awesome. So they get to go out in the field and actually see the impact of their work. And so we help lead them in that. Um, and then we do work with with Deloitte. Um, they do trips and we, we help to set them up for um, short term consultancies. Um, so really, I mean, at the end of the day, we're you know, we also work with a whole variety of different universities. It's just really, you know, who wants to partner in this overall effort and Certainly, different uh, different types of organizations bring different perspectives and, and skill sets, and and we just try to be that <clears throat> you know that organization and, and that team that can help bring it all together to create change. That's great. That's great. What when you come back from each of these trips, what, what's the inspiration that makes you believe that not just what you're doing is right, but that it's sustainable uh, when you leave, and that everyone feels empowered and is making a change in the local community? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a, uh, that's a great question. Obviously, that's the key to all of this. Um, and and, it's, and it's, it's obviously one of the great challenges. I mean, putting financial sustainability aside, which is a challenge for any organization, nonprofit, corporation, what have you. Um, I think, you know, the key is really um, helping others to take the lead um, is, you know, sort of the idea of making, you know, your problem or what you think is a challenge an opportunity for someone else to solve it. Um, so, you know, I think one of the, oftentimes when we fail in this work is when we come down with a programmatic approach or, you know, say when I would be taking the leadership or in, in, in dictating what we're doing strategically or, or tactically. Um, but really the, the key to success is that, um, local, Entities, local leadership, local entrepreneurs really have, feel a sense of, of empowerment and, and agency, and, and that we work together as partners. 
Um, and more and more over time, although we may start with an idea, um, that they're really taking the lead because if they're not and they don't feel a sense of ownership and they don't feel that this really matters to them, it might last for a while, but it's certainly not going to last um, long enough to truly make a difference. Mm. Yeah. And, and it feels like you were ahead of the curve. You're, um, the way you think about social entrepreneurship or social innovation uh, and your desire uh, to align public and private and to build communities seems uh, omnipresent in 2018 and in the future. But when you started this 15 years ago, I'm not sure that everyone had that same mindset. What, what was it that were, – were you always wired that way or did something change in your life that um, sent you in that path? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that um – I mean, I've always had a very, very strong belief in in collaboration and and in teamwork, um, and I think that oftentimes we can be uh, we can kind of be in our silos, or you know, we can have that you know not invented here, or you know, I'm going to go and do this myself, sort of entrepreneurial spirit, um, and and you know, it's good to have that type of you know, certainly that, that personal passion and drive and pride and sense of ownership in what you do. Um, but you know, at, at the end of the day, I guess I realized early on, um, that if we're really going to create change, uh, we have limited time, we have limited resources and, you know, we need as many people to participate in this as possible. And so, you know, that the concept of nonprofit for profit, social enterprise, that's, you know, that's, that's, wonderful but at the end of the day um to me it doesn't really matter what your legal structure is or what type of entity it is that you're leading it's can we align can we can we sort of level set can we be in agreement on what the challenge is can we work together on what we think some solutions might be um and then how do we all play a, a value-added role and and different folks you know play play different roles and and bring different things to the table and and I think that I maybe right from the beginning, I was able to see that um, and see that in action and how that could work. And, and that's just really become, you know, the, the sort of the driver of our approach and our and our overall philosophy. And it also makes it it makes the work so much more enjoyable. I mean, doing trying to do something alone is tough. It's it's not very much fun sometimes. But but engaging with partners who care about the same stuff um, is incredibly, you know, motivating and, and inspiring. And, and, you know, you get to learn from, from others to apply to the work. And when you say early on, uh, as you, as you just answered, answered that, are you, are you talking when you were doing some Peace Corps volunteering down there 15 plus years ago, or are you even talking back to UBS and financial investment or Miami and Oxford days? Is there an, is there an actual moment when, you, you thought about and you talked about collaboration and teamwork and the belief and, and the need to do together. But was there a moment in time that triggered that or it's just it's evolved as you've continued to work and just watch the world? Yeah, that's a really great question. I haven't uh, I haven't really thought about that, but it actually just sparked something in my mind. If you go all the way back to the, the time when I worked in banking and, and structured finance, I mean, what? Not to get too technical, but what I did at my my work at the time, we were advisors, and I was focused. We were focused on um, you know, big ticket assets, aircraft, rail cars, digital switching equipment, and such. And and a typical case would be, 
Um, you know, Boeing has has a seven fifty seven, and they want to sell that to um, at the time Continental Airlines, right? You know, United Airlines now, um, but Continental doesn't necessarily have. <clears throat> um, you know, it's coming out of bankruptcy at the time. Let's say so. How do you make that transaction happen? And and what that requires is you know working with Boeing and understanding their situation and Continental and understanding their situation um, and you know and appraisers and other investors and and lawyers and everybody involved in that so is it although you wouldn't have framed it that way it was it was really about problem solving where you know but a but a full team effort that involved so many different parties to get this done over over an extended period of time I think maybe upon reflection, that had an impact and that was the problem solving approach that I took in business. And so I think maybe that then carried over to Guatemala and when I was a Peace Corps volunteer, trying to solve wicked problems that maybe had a different focus, but were still just as intellectually challenging and seeing that, okay, well, maybe I should be applying this problem solving approach of bringing all these different folks to the table. Um, in Guatemala, just as I did back in New York or San Francisco. So yeah, it's a great question. I, I hadn't thought about that. And, and I'm curious in, in just looking at bios and, and thinking about it before and, and the one line that's, that stands out, it says, Greg began working in rural small business development as a Guatemala Peace Corps volunteer in 2001. I don't know if it's, um, uh, if, the, if the date is uh, a reason or not, but I, there's obviously been a lot of people in New York City that worked in banking or finance or for-profit in 2001 that when 9-11 hit, um, switched careers pretty quickly and went in a different path. Was that was the timing of that on or it just so happens to be both 2001? Yeah, it, um, it wasn't because of that. I, I actually, I was in Guatemala and I remember walking i can specifically remember walking down a dirt road and somebody ran up to me and said you know the, the, the twin towers fell down and i was just in in total disbelief so um i was i was already there at the time yeah. i had um you know i it it was simply because at the time i was um i had become inspired through microfinance i was i was turning 30 uh, i was trying to decide you know what was going to be my purpose and passion in life and um and decided it was time to it was time to make a change and um so i i enjoy people tend to think that oftentimes sort of you know when you when you make a career switch from say banking to to what you know to going to the peace corps let's say that it's sort of you became you know i became disenchanted and and you know and i hate capitalism and and you know i just like throw off my suit and put on a robe and sandals and roam the world it was it was it was none of that actually i very much enjoyed what I did. And I love the people that I worked with. They were great colleagues. Um, but I just needed to find, pursue my own passions and find my own path. Mm. Try, trying to find your own passions and your own path. Let's go back to Oxford. And yeah, um, that's where it, it seems to start in a lot of these conversations that we have. And um, many have shared on this pod that what Miami provided them was an opportunity to learn that it was up to the individual to figure out the path, but mm -hmm. that they gave that the school and being in the cornfields and having to figure it out forced people to do that. 
themselves with their fraternity brothers, sorority sisters, or classmates. When you think back to those four years in Oxford, what did you, besides the fun part of the friends and, and what we did at night, where do you think that helped uh, guide you in a path? Yeah, I think um, it was it was it was really two things, I guess. Um, one was that you know, quote unquote, being in the cornfields, right, and, and being a part of um, you know, being a part of a community. Um, you know, meaning like you know, you and right, all of our you know, all of our our brothers and and good friends, and um, you know, being around people that I that you know, sort of you knew you could always depend on. Uh, no matter what. And I think there's something that, um, intuitive, you know, the intuitively that there's, there's a, there's a, there's something that comes from that. I mean, knowing that you have this foundation of people that you, um, you know, that you truly, you, you truly love and, and admire and, and knowing that that's going to be there, I think is, is extremely powerful. Um, and it's carried on to this day. Um, but I think as well, a big driver for me was I had the opportunity to go to Luxembourg. And so I studied in, in, in the MUDEC in the Luxembourg program. Um, and to just totally date myself, this was back in, you know, 19, in the fall of 1989. Um, and so those who are familiar with history would know that that was when the Berlin wall came down. And so, um, so, a you know, a big part of what, a big thing that influenced me, which I, again, I wouldn't have recognized at the time, but, was you know i was i was there i was able to you know go stand on top of the wall but but i remember specifically going to czechoslovakia at the time um now the czech republic where all the soviet flags were up and i was there with a good group of friends and we didn't speak the language and you know i had an opportunity to meet some folks who shared their struggles with me through through broken english uh and and their aspirations for a better life and and i think that really resonated with me, um, just um, getting a better understanding, triggering my empathy um, about, you know, how people in different parts of the world really struggle. I, I don't think I've been so exposed to that. But then in addition to that, something about being in this totally unfamiliar environment and totally different culture where I, where I, I had to sort of struggle to get by um, really got my juices flowing. And so, um, you know, from there, uh, I then, after I graduated, I decided to take that to the next level and, and move to Japan, and I lived there for three years. So um, it was a really combination of, of, of the two, but overall it was that it was those relationships and the opportunities that Miami afforded me. Yeah, it's, gosh, it sounds exactly like everybody else. It gives you the opportunity. But you had to choose, right? You had to choose to join a fraternity. You had to choose to leave Oxford and go to Luxembourg. The opportunity was there, but there was something in you that, that made you head in those paths, which ultimately allowed you to learn and grow, too. Yeah, no, um, no doubt about it. I mean, I, you know, I was actually, and I don't know if you know this, but um, it sounds, it sounds quaint right now, but I grew up in mostly in Northern New Jersey. And so I was a little bit of like the, you know, the freak show guy from, from the East coast, um, you know, and, and, and I chose, and it was, you know, people would always ask me, well, why'd you choose to go to, you know, the, the, the cornfields and why'd you choose to go to, you know, to Ohio, um, versus staying on the East coast. And, and I distinctly remember visiting, um, visiting Oxford when I was looking at schools and, um, I don't know, I mean, just, the, just idyllic campus right out of a, right out of a movie and, um, you know, 
smiles and warmth and, and, and friendship. And, um, and, you know, that was all, that was all validated when I went there. So I think that that first choice to go was, was a big one and was certainly a, a, a wonderful choice. And then, you know, having heard about other people's experiences in, in Luxembourg and, um, you know, that really, that really just inspired me. And you and I are fortunate enough to join this new Miami entrepreneurship um, uh, group of people, advisors, uh, and we're going to go back to school here shortly to help with a curriculum, um, help the university and a program uh, continue to thrive. What excites you about not just going back to Oxford and having a beer at Skipper's with Andy, but uh, joining a program like that and helping the students in the university? Yeah, I mean, I think the, the the most inspirational part is is just looking at what's already been done and 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 is being done. I mean, from you know th- through Brett, you know Brett Smith's leadership, I've had the good opportunity to work with with Brett for a number of years now, and um, and now with Tim leading this, um, it's just pretty extraordinary everything that's that, that's being accomplished um, and on a, on a daily basis, just looking and seeing what's going on. So. Um, I find that in, incredibly inspiring. The you know the, the leadership certainly. Um, I work with students a lot, and it, it never ceases to blow me away what what they're doing and and how they're going about you know shaping their own future and community's future and the future of business and all of that. So um, it's inspiring. Um, I think I'll learn a lot very selfishly as well, but um, but ideally can bring you know some of this uh, you know more of this approach as well to you know, business and social aren't and shouldn't be exclusive. Um, you know, you can pursue, um, you know, a business um, profitability, let's say, and you also can pursue social impact. And so to the extent that, um, you know, I can bring any thinking or experiences to that, um, then hopefully that can um, that can have some type of, of value. And then as well, uh, you know, if you look at everybody, you know, including yourself, the Schwab, I mean, on the, on the advisory board, it, it's a pretty amazing group of people. And um, so I, I really look forward to making those connections and, and learning about them and what they're doing. And, and again, as always, seeing how we can always see seeing how we can all come together and collaborate um, for, um, you know, for the good of the students and, 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 and the university. And when you get to Oxford and you run up High Street for the first time, what is the first <laughs> food that you're going to eat on campus? Well, I think I, I uh, if I look back at pictures, I think I, I had a few too many uh, cheese fries at Skipper's uh, when I was there. But uh, I'm, I'm always a big fan of, uh, you know, I do get back now, you know, with some frequency. Um, I would say I typically, you know, go to go to Bagel and Deli. Um, always, always the variety there. So big fan of Bagel and Deli. And um, if I'm just desperate and I need I need to get some food in my body, uh, then uh, head over to Bruno's. I think pizza's still like fifty cents or something, right? <laughs> so, um, yeah, just you know, just really, just it's just a lot of carb loading. I think is the key. As Greg says, solve wicked problems that are intellectually challenging. It's an awesome line. Thanks, Greg, for taking the time. Thank you all for listening. Have a great Thanksgiving. See it all for Skippers or see it Skippers for beer. December 6th, I'll be there having one with Greg and others. Stop in and say hello. Take care.